Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is eight of the most important prophecy questions answered. They are, is the Antichrist or the beast alive now on the earth? How can we know when the tribulation starts? Who is the beast? How many beasts are there? What does the beast look like? How to spot the beast before he sits on the Ark of the Covenant? What does the mark and number of the beast look like? And is the beast the son of Satan? And I might not get through all of this today, but I'm going to try. So here we go. First question. Is the beast alive on the earth today? I cannot believe how many people think that the beast is alive today. They say things like, could he be Prince William? Could he be Obama? (laughs) All kinds of silly questions like that. So the question is, is the beast alive on the earth today? And the answer is, well, let's look and see what it says. Revelation 11, 7 says, And when they, talking about the two witnesses, when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, shall overcome them, and kill them. Then Revelation seventeen eight says, And the beast that thou sawest was, is talking about was once alive, and is not, he's not alive now in 96 AD, and goeth into perdition, and they that dwell upon the earth shall wonder, and it goes on to say. Now, point is, if the beast was not alive, In 96 AD, he had already died. That means that he was someone that used to be, but he died, and he will come back to life. So both of these say he will ascend out of the bottomless pit. So does that mean that Beast or the Antichrist could be Obama? No. Prince William? No. (laughs) So is the Beast alive on the earth today? No. Where does he come from? He ascends out of the bottomless pit. He is the eighth, but he is of the seventh, means he used to be alive, but he is not alive now, as in 2021. He's not alive. Right now, he is falling endlessly and helplessly in the bottomless pit. I'd like for you to carefully look at those scriptures, because there are people I mean, I think they get that from Damien movies, okay? So the Antichrist, oh yeah, this is the Antichrist, he's going to go up and be the Antichrist. No. The Antichrist does not get born again. He does not grow up. He'll never be a child again. He comes into an adult body, in my opinion. I think that that's the reason the abductions are taking place and they're doing sexual experiments on humans because they're trying to come up with a hybrid which I'll get to in a minute, but I'll briefly say, a part man, part alien, or a part man, part Lucifer, because Jesus genetically, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but no, he ascendeth out of the bottomless pit. So let's go on to the next one. So is the beast alive today? No, he is not. He is not going to be a child. He's not going to be born again. He ascends out of the bottomless pit right into a fully grown human body or half-human, half-Lucifer. Next question. How can we know when the tribulation begins? Well, I think that's a very good question. So, first of all, we look at Revelation 6.1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. Now, there's not a scripture that says or guarantees that we get to hear when the first seals open. 
we do not, there's, there's no guarantee. It could be just a, a spiritual thing. It goes on to say, And I saw and behold a white horse, and he who sat upon had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and went forth conquering it to conquer. That tells us two things. One is these angels of the seven first seven seals are, are just that. They're angels. Uh, I used to think, oh, well, this is the Pope. Wrong. Does God, here's the question, does God give crowns to demons? No. Okay, so it's it's not a pope. It's not any flesh and blood. When it says a white horse, it is God's angel. He gives that angel a crown, and he tells him, going forth, go forth to conquer and conquer. Meaning, one of the first things we'll see when the tribulation starts, so this kind of gets into another question too, one of the first things we'll see is war will start because God raises up one of his angels, the angel on the white horse, and gives him a crown and tells him to go out and start war. Second, verse 4, there went out another horse that was red. Again, this is not communism, as I once thought. Again, all of this was before I memorized the book of Revelation. When I memorized it, there was additional wisdom that came into my heart. So I got a deeper understanding so that we can understand, no, it doesn't happen that way. So the next one is another angel, God's angel, on a red horse. Power is given him to sat there to take peace from the earth. That's the second confirmation saying we'll be able to spot when the tribulation is started by seeing a big war, not a little local skirmish, but I mean a big war. It goes on to say he's going to take peace from the earth. I don't think that's a little bit of peace. I think that is most all of the peace. We'll get to that in a minute, too. Take peace from the earth that they should kill one another. So we have two angels, God angels. God is sent out to take peace from the earth to start wars. So one of the things we look for to know when the tribulation has started, and that brings to the second question is, when is the beast released from falling endlessly and helplessly in the bottomless pit? And that is when the first seal is opened. So when that seal is opened, the beast is released. Now, at that point, there's nothing saying that we know that he's been released other than we might, we might get to hear the sound of that first seal opening. But if we don't get to hear it, we can also spot to see when the beast, because I'll, I think I get to this scripture, Daniel 9.27 says, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. It does not say it's a peace agreement, though it probably is. I said probably. But don't necessarily get caught up thinking it has to be. It doesn't have to be. It might be simply some kind of a local agreement. It does not say he's the author or the finisher of it. It just simply says he confirms it. That might be just a wink or a nod. It might be something very small. It might not even have to sign it. Okay, so it may be very difficult in that term to be able to spot the Antichrist. But hopefully, we, I pray often that I get to hear, either spiritually or naturally, when that first seal is open. Because if we know when the first seal is opened, then exactly 2,520 days later, exactly seven years later, because I believe that the first seal will be opened on the Feast of Trumpets, and Jesus will return on the Feast of 
trumpets. If you get my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, you will understand prophecy so much more. So much. Matter of fact, let me say, we've sold, I don't know, 15,000 copies of this, and my email is in every one of them. You see my email here, even as I'm talking today. And out of all of these 15,000 copies, I'm yet to receive one email, not even one, that says, boy, you got a hole in your head. You are cracked. Nobody is complaining about the book. They all say it's wonderful to say it's, it's giving them the answers they've looked for all of their life. And I will say this, even though I've been teaching prophecy for 40 years before I put out the book, I did not know anything. I'll say it again. I did not know anything that is in this book. This book is all new revelations. So since I've been teaching prophecy 40 years, by the time I put this book out, I'm going to safely say, you don't know anything in this book either. It is all new information. And that's not saying I'm great. I'm saying that God is great. I'm saying I believe that he gave us these last days saints, this book, so we can finally understand the book of Revelation. That's what the secret door does is it helps people to understand the book of Revelation in general and all of the prophecies put together. Now, let's go on. This book is not the one I was talking about. This book, however, is important because I'm about to read several things from it. It's called Miss the Mark. Don't take the mark of the beast. And what happened with this book is I was getting in my heart to start studying, preparing more about the mark of the beast. Leslie wakes up one morning and she has a dream and she saw the cover and the name of this book. And so that's where it came from. What I'm about to read comes from this book, Miss the Mark. And yes, you can get this also at prophecyclub.com. In this, I have the entire Ken Peters dream uh, without all of the side trails taken out, just the dream. Part of what he said, he saw the dream started with a very very, very loud noise. It sounded like a car horn from the 1970s. It was extremely loud, very ear-piercing, and it lasted for a long time. And I looked up, a 1970s car horn sounds like this. Now, I won't let it go on for too much longer, but you got the point. Revelation 6, one says, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. Now, if we get to hear some sound like that, then we will know. But it may be that we just see war starts. So I would say it would be the Feast of Trumpets on or about when a great, probably a world war starts. If we don't hear that sound, that's, that'll be what I look for. Going on with what Ken Peters said. I saw dead people resurrected from the graves. Then I was given the opportunity to see from the heavens looking down on the earth. I was able to see very clearly many cemeteries and graveyards. I was brought very close to many of these graveyards. A very unusual thing to me was that the ground was breaking open, literally. The dirt was breaking open silently, and people were coming out of the graves. What was unusual is... That one cemetery plot headstones would have a person come out of the dirt and one next to it would not come out. It seemed to be not just random, but categorized. They launched out of the dirt. It was very violent. 
It was as though a small explosion was in the dirt. It broke open. I literally saw dirt flying. And I saw this all over the globe. It wasn't just in one area. It wasn't just the United States. It was all around the globe. The clothes that they were wearing seemed to be like choir robes. They were long like a dress, a cloak almost hanging off of them. These people came out in the middle of the day, yet they were glimmering. Now, let me pause. In the 330 DVDs that Prophecy Club made over 27 years, with 160 guest speakers, still to this day, this may be the most popular DVD that we have, second only to Dimitri's. And in all of these days, I have never received one complaint. No one has ever emailed me or called me or talked to me. Everyone, any of the meetings, no one has ever complained about this DVD. Everyone believes that Ken Peters had a vision of the future. Everyone receives this as of the Lord. A cloak almost hanging off of them. These people came out in the middle of the day, yet they were glimmering. Their outfits and their body was brighter than the sun. I could see the brightness of these people shining out. Men, although their robes were similar, the men appeared to be very, very masculine, and the women were very feminine. Older people came out with the same appearance that they weren't old. You can tell that they had lived a full life, maybe 80 years, 75 years. Their hair was lost. Their, their hair that was lost was back again. They looked mature, but they didn't look old. I saw a lot of young people resurrected, although they looked very young. They weren't very young. There was a maturity about them. As the people that came out, they just disappeared. He said, I didn't see anybody going there. No raptures. No one alive was taken off the earth at all. He says, I don't know if they were taken or just hidden somewhere. I don't know if they were taken to the clouds because I never saw any of them go up. I never saw any of them go away. They just vanished. Mass hysteria began to take place on the earth. People had the appearance of absolute despair in hysteria. There was pandemonium everywhere. There was mass chaos, lawlessness, and fear. I was able to see many quadrants of the earth, and there wasn't any one nation that was under this. All of the globe was experiencing this. It was like every person on earth had just left their own mother's funeral. That's how everyone appeared. They were grieving and despondent. I really wasn't ready for this mass pandemonium or despair. But it began to permeate all of the society. After about two weeks, television, radio began to come back on and running. However, everything was completely different than it was previously. Then this broadcast was being bombarded nearly everywhere, and they were depicting a soon-to-come new government and leadership. A man would be emerging to lead us, they said. The man finally came on the scene, and he spoke with great eloquence. Now remember that. Great eloquence and charisma. He was smoothing, soothing, and promised answers to current issues. This man was smooth and extremely convincing, able to solve nearly all problems, he was the consummate communicator. <clears throat> when this man spoke, it began to convince me. It began to pull me into his messages. 
He reminded me of Adolf Hitler speaking to the masses, but he had a demonic charisma about him that would literally pull the masses into him. That was nothing compared to what I saw. Nothing. He was able to rally a nation. This individual was able to rally the globe. It was very, very frightening. Almost immediately, he began to communicate through large screen televisions that were strategically placed everywhere, and all of the general populaces could see them. This man's speeches and directions for the whole world had to do with new times, new times upon us as human beings, new directives for global peace, and the need to give up current old citizenship for world citizenship. He says, I must tell you that I've been raised a red-blooded American. When I heard this in my dream, I could not fathom it. I've always had a gun. I've always gone hunting and fishing, and I've always put my hand over my heart at ball games and sang when the national anthem was played. I've, I've always respected men and women and military, and I love this country. And so to have this experience in this dream rattled me. It rattled me to the core of my being. This man continuously, continually and constantly spoke of world order and the benefits of all men dwelling together in peace. Now, even though I was disturbed in the dream, I was also being pulled into this because it sounded so very, very good. World peace sounds good until you see the cost. There is no genuine world peace, of course, until the Prince of Peace, Jesus, establishes his throne on this earth. That's the bottom line. No human being is going to bring peace to this earth. The only human being who's all human, all God, is going to bring peace to this earth, and that's Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, I talked about this earlier. Let me show you to it in the scriptures. Daniel 9.27 says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Notice it does not say peace treaty. It simply says a covenant. It does not say he signs it. It does not say he originated it or put it together. He simply confirms it. That may be as simple as a nod and a wink. Then you jump to Daniel 7, 8. <clears throat> if you want to be able to spot the Antichrist early, this is what you look for. I considered in the ten horns, meaning that one of the things we'll see on, about, or associated before, before, during, or after the start of the tribulation is a ten-nation global confederacy. In other words, they're going to take the seven continents and they're going to divide them into ten global regions. Now, we'll be able to spot the Antichrist. One of the first ways to spot him is he will be the eleventh. Okay, so they have ten. I'm going to try to put out here as the eleventh. Okay, so the Antichrist is going to be the eleventh of the ten global leaders. He'll be number eleven. But then what it says, there came up among, among them another eleventh, where he'll be the eleventh horn or the eleventh leader, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. So this eleventh leader will overcome three of them. So now we have seven, so he will be the eighth. Hmm. That's what Daniel, I believe it's 7.11 says. And the eighth, he will be the eighth and of the seven. So when we see a world government 
That means that the Antichrist, it may be the world government is formed before the seven-year tribulation. It may be the world government is formed on or maybe after the start of the seven-year tribulation. There's nothing that says that the tribulation can't start before or after the start of world government. It may even be that world government has started several years before the tribulation starts. They aren't necessarily the same thing. So when we see world government, we know that tribulation is close. We know that the Antichrist is close, but they don't necessarily start at the same time. Next question. Who is the beast? Now, I know a lot of people want to call him the Antichrist, but technically the better word to call him is the beast. But the problem is there's two beasts. There's the beast that's the political or the Antichrist. There's the police belief, the beast that is the religious or the false prophet. But the correct word to call him is really the beast. So who is the beast? I'd love to be able to tell you his name, but the Bible doesn't give his name. <clears throat> Maybe one day. Daniel 11.21 gives us some things to watch for. In his estate shall stand up a, a vile person. In other words, extremely evil, extremely filthy. He shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. So when he comes to be that 11th horn, he gets there initially through peace. Another place it says, and through peace he will destroy many. So he comes in first as peace, but not long. Then he will enter peaceably in upon the fattest places of the province. And that word fattest is a Hebrew word meaning crude oil. So one of the things he will do is go into the valley of where the crude oil, the massive amounts of crude oil that over 30 verses in the Bible says do exist in Israel. And of course, that's one of our goals of prophetic oil is to go over there, find, drill, and present the oil to Israel. <clears throat> Matter of fact, there's one more thing. You may be saying, well, why would God use a pastor from the Dallas area to go and find and present oil to Israel? I mean, why wouldn't he just have someone in Israel find it? The answer is this. Because there's 30 prophecies that says in the last days, massive amounts of oil would be found in Israel. And he does not want to throw away the fact that God promised Israel, when Moses is standing in front of the burning bush, that he was going to give this oil to Israel. And so for someone to find it and to present it to Israel, it would have to be someone that could also tell Israel this oil that I found is the fulfillment of Jeremiah 33, verse 6, I believe it is. The promise of Moses standing in front of the burning bush when he says, get you up, I'm sending you in a land that flows with milk and honey. It must be someone that is a prophecy teacher <clears throat> that can say, the reason I found this is not me. The reason I'm presenting this, the reason I'm able to present this to you is not me or my strength, or my abilities. This is the fulfillment that God made to Moses standing in front of the burning bush. Now, let's go on. So that he will scatter the prey and the spoil and the riches. <clears throat> so when this massive amounts of oil is discovered, when the Antichrist takes it over, and he will, 
He's not going to just keep it for himself. He's going to scatter this prey and spoil and riches to the rest of the people. Next question. How many beasts are there? Well, I've kind of already hinted on that. <clears throat> There's not just one, not just the Antichrist. It's also the false prophet. So let's explain the difference here. First of all, the political beast, the Antichrist, or the correctly called the beast, he is going to be the beast from the sea, probably from Iraq, Syria, and the Turkey area. He will not regard the God of his fathers. He will be, in my opinion, the son of Ishmael or an Arab. He will be the Imam or the Mahdi, as the Muslims call him, or the head leopard. He will be, probably his father will be Muslim. The Bible says in several places he will overcome the saints. He will honor, not honor any god, but he will honor the god of forces. He will be the person that puts out the mark, the name, and the number, and the image. He will be the one whose deadly wound is either healed or appears to be healed. Now, let's go to the religious or the false prophet. <clears throat> he is the beast from the earth. He will be the false prophet. He is going to be the woman riding the beast in chapter 17 of Revelation. Probably, in my opinion, he will be a head of the Catholic Church. He will hijack the Catholic Church and force good Catholics, and yes, there are good Catholics, I have met many of them, that love the Lord Jesus, but he will hijack that church and force many of the people to go in and kill people that do not have the mark. Or he is what the Bible calls the woman. Two horns like a lamb he will have. He will speak as a dragon, Revelation 13. He will deceive many people by miracles. He orders the mark resistors to be killed. Those people don't take the mark of the beast. He orders the image of the beast to be made. He calls fire from the sky in the sight of all men. So there are two beasts. Next question. What does the beast look like? Oh, boy, I would love to be able to show you a picture, but as close as I can come is a pretty accurate description. Daniel 7.20 says that he has a mouth that spake very great words. So <clears throat> he is going to be, like Ken Peters said, the consummate communicator. He is going to be extremely eloquent. He is going to be probably the finest speaker of human history. Great words, because God gives him those words. Whose look was more stout than his fellows, very handsome. Daniel 8.23 says, A king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. Now that word countenance means fierce countenance as he's extremely beautiful. Kim Peters said the Antichrist was the most beautiful man I'd ever seen, and he had olive-colored skin. In other words, kind of a darker skin. Representing the agenda of the fallen Lucifer, this comes to us from Maurice Scalar in the courtroom of Heaven Vision. It says, representing the agenda of the fallen Lucifer, now called Satan, is himself the accuser, liar, and deceiver, Hasatan. At this, the handsome prince, so he says he's a handsome prince, with the evil smirk stood up. I marveled that he seemed human and actually very attractive to look at, although there was no heavenly light in him or around him. So he's beautiful, a fantastic speaker, able to catch people in his words. Next question. 
What does the mark, the number of the beast, look like? There's two different things. <clears throat> Ken Peters said, The mark of the beast was about the size of a U.S. quarter, or excuse me, a nickel. It was located in the web between the thumb and the first finger and looked like a yellow Mexico sun with another hand in the middle of the sun. He said it did not see, he did not see any computer chip attached with it at all. Well, <clears throat> I don't think so because the computer chip is, chip is already in our pockets and our purses. It's called a cell phone. That's the computer chip that will link us all together. Revelation thirteen seventeen says, And then no man might buy or sell save he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Meaning, here there are three things. There's actually a total of five things. <coughs> and as odd as it were, as a sea of glass mingled with fire. And then we've gotten victory over the beast. That's one. Over his image, two. Over his mark, three. And over the number of his name, stand upon the sea of glass, having the hearts of God. Meaning, there are two things that we must not bend the knee to worship, neither the beast nor his image. And there are three stamps that we must not put on our body. That is the mark, his name, which we don't know what is, and his number. We know the number. It's 666. But what we might not be able to recognize, it is in a nested 666 version, which looks similar to this. We have two different people that can verify that's the number of the beast, and it's going to look something in that ballpark. Might not have a pointed end on it, might not have a little serpent in the center of it. But this was just sent to me today in an email. It says, when our Insta feeds become ourselves, and it goes on to talk about it. But if you look at those, what is in there? Let's look closely at it. So what is that? Now, see, I wrote this in my book back in, what, 2018 or something like that. This is going to be the number of the beast. If you want to understand Bible prophecy, this is the secret door to understand Bible prophecy available at Prophecy Club. If you want to understand all of the warnings, then this is your book. If you want to understand Daniel, this is your book. If you want to understand the rapture, this is your book. If you want to understand the mark of the beast, this is your book. All five of those is available in a fantastic deal at prophecyclub.com. Now, back to what I was saying. So when I was writing this secret order and saying Bible prophecy, I heard an audible voice say, the seven seals play over seven years. The seven trumpets play over seven months. The seven vials play over seven days. Now, let me explain that to you. So this is the seven seals, which play over seven years. This is a, a drawing or a chart of the seven trumpets that play over seven months. Then the seven vials play over seven days. Seven seals, seven years, concluding on the Feast of Trumpets and starting on the Feast of Trumpets. The seven trumpets play over the last seven months. The, last, the seven vials play over the last seven days. Now, with that in mind... <clears throat> What does the mark and the number of the beast look like? All right, well, we've discussed part of that. I've showed you the number. Now, is the beast the son of Satan? Revelation thirteen four says, And they worshipped the dragon, they worshipped the dragon, which gave power to the beast and they worshipped the beast. Meaning, when 
the when the mark of the beast is finally implemented, it is going to be when you worship the beast, you are worshiping the dragon or Lucifer. When you worship dragon or Lucifer, you are worshiping the beast, meaning they are one in the same person, meaning in the middle of the tribulation, when he is either killed or appears to die, when he arises, he will arise not just as the beast, but it will be Satan incarnate. Satan will actually inhibit or in, inhabit his body because that's what Lucifer wants to be. That's why when the iniquity was found in him, he, he fell because he wants the worship that he saw God get, except for the worship is given to God freely, but he's willing to take the worship given to God by force. So, Jesus versus the beast. Let me explain. Genetically speaking, Jesus was half man, half God. As you recall, the Holy Spirit overshadowed uh, Mary, and she was a virgin, so he was a virgin-born young man. Genetically speaking, because the genetics work like this, okay, so the genetics are, there's 23 chromosomes from the man, 23 chromosomes from the woman, and then we are given an X or a Y chromosome to make us either male or female. Well, when Ron Wyatt found the blood on the mercy seat westward, because on the east side has the blood of the goats. When he found that blood, he scraped it into a little uh, photo container that you normally get your film in to keep it clean. He took it into, I believe it was Galbraith Laboratories, and had them reconstitute it. That means add distilled water to it. Put it under a microscope, and he said the somatids were still alive in the blood. And he said, whose blood is this? He said, just tell me what you see. He said, well, the somatids are alive, but the amazing part is this blood only has one set of chromosomes, meaning it had Mary's set. It didn't have the Holy Spirit's side. So he said, one of these days, when the Ten Commandments come out from the beast, the real Ten Commandments will be brought out. And he said, there'll be a day that you'll be able to go down and I'll be able to show you this is the chamber where the Ark of the Covenant is. These are the three cross holes where the three people were crucified. There's a crack to the left side of the center cross hole. Blood came down. The Ark of the Covenant was put in a stone box. The stone box cracked at precisely the right place. The blood dripped at precisely the right place, went through the crack, and dropped down on the mercy seat westward, where only the blood of Jesus dropped. In other words, the blood of animals was on one side of the mercy seat, the blood of Jesus was on the other side. And he said, you'll be able to look down a microscope and see the somatids were alive, and see that the chromosomes were only the chromosomes from Mary. There was no chromosomes in that blood from the Holy Spirit. And it will prove absolutely positively, without any question of a doubt, that Jesus is the Lamb of God, 
that Jesus fulfilled all of the Levitical covenants concerning sacrifice. So literally, Jesus was half man, half God genetically. And I believe that the beast will be exactly the opposite, half man and half Lucifer genetically, which is the reason I believe a lot of people are getting abducted because they're trying to make a body that will be half man, half Lucifer. Remember the Bible, Daniel 2.44 says, or is it 2.43, and they shall mingle their seed with the seed of men, half man, half fallen angel, or half man, half Lucifer. Jesus died literally for three days and arose from the grave. So it is my belief that the beast will either die or appear to die for three days and come back to life or appear to come back to life because Antichrist doesn't mean against Christ. It means in the place of Christ. That's what Lucifer wants. He wants to sit on the side to the north. He wants to receive the worship that was given freely to God. Now, this is going back to what Maurice Scalar said in his courtroom vision, but it makes the point. Again, the question is, is the beast actually the son of Satan? So he says, at this time, this man stood up. He was robed in a black suit and had a long cape of crimson red and followed behind him. And he had gold epaulets on his shoulders that were built into his cape, and he was very articulate and extremely haughty. I got, he, I got sick to my stomach as he spoke. He walked back and forth in front of the courtroom in long strides with his nose in the air. It reminded me of a painting of what Napoleon looked like, except this man was much taller than Napoleon. He began his long diatribe of accusation against fallen man. He seemed to know the Bible very well. Starting from Adam and Eve, he began accusing God. That's what Satan does is accuse people. He's accused of the brethren. He began accusing God of failing mankind in every generation. He started with a stipulation that Adam was given exactly 6,000 years to rule the earth. He gave that lease to me. I own it. I have a right to rule over every man, woman, and child who are mine by Adam's free choice. The time is up. I now demand to be given the government of mankind through whom, here it is, here's important, who you call the son of perdition. I call him my son of man. So that answers the question. So is the beast or the Antichrist literally the son of Lucifer? Yes, he is. Again, half man, half Lucifer. I gave the scriptural right to take I have the scriptural right to take control of the earth for seven years. Give it to me now. So the question is, yes, the beast is the son of Satan. All of this can be much better understood if you'll get this package. This package is called the Watchman's Package. Here I will show you it has two two foot by three foot color updated charts. has both of my charts here. It also has the five DVDs where I taught through the book of Revelation from Revelation 5 to the end at the School of the Watchmen in it. It also gives you five copies of The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecies, valued at $355, and frankly, it's a bargain gift of $200. Because if I could have just heard the seven seals play over seven years, the seven trumpets play over seven months, the seven vials play over seven days... I would have gladly paid several thousand dollars 
to have that one phrase given to me back in the year 2000. It would have saved me so much frustrating trying to put things together. So this will save you a lot of frustration in understanding the last days. I believe God has called you. If you're watching so far, God has called you to be a watchman. As I've told you many times, I'm called to build an end-time army of prophecy teachers working sevenfold miracles. If you're watching this, you're called to be one of those. This will help you to be prepared to give an answer. Hey, this is Stan, and I am in front of the church. That is the new sign that you guys gave us, and I wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's Whataburger. That's our new sign. That is all lighted up. People pull through Whataburger, and they place the order here, and they have to look up at our sign. And this is my thank you to all of you. You gave us that sign. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Terry Sock is a prophecy student, and he reads his King James Bible, and he believes in winning souls so much, he is supporting the Prophecy Club so that we can win more souls. So if you want to support someone that loves prophecy and wants to win souls, I'm going to send you to cornerstoneassetmetals.com, where you can get all sorts of precious metals, gold, silver, rhodium, palladium, and things like that. Cornerstoneassetmetals.com. Click like, share, subscribe, and send to a friend.